0: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Bennett. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry, Stewart, Corey
1: Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. Getting away. To-
2: I had the mute on. Hey, everybody! We're back. It's another <laughs> Ducks win. As I almost screw up the audio for two nights in a row. Holy oh, hell! Man. Ducks take the victory in Sunrise, Florida, three goals to two, thanks to Nick Ritchie, the guy that everybody, including myself, wanted traded and gone off this team last year. Eddie, how you doing?
1: doing great now. I mean, uh, we pumped Nick Ritchie's tires on the last podcast, and he came out and showed everybody what we were talking about. I called you crazy for thinking he could get uh, 20 goals because his he was on pace for like 12. Then he comes into this game and pots two. Doesn't mean he's going to get
2: there, but now he's kind of
1: making me look stupid.
0: So,
2: Oh, uh, it's okay. I mean, at least I'm really nice about it, unlike you, and I don't post a, a picture of Kovalchuk's stats and all the <laughs> shit going on with him and then uh, tag me in it. But that's a story well, on, for you another day. That one. I do. Was, was I do. That was bad. Kovalchuk, yeah. He's, well, but is it really my fault? Is it really my fault? I mean, Willie Desjardins is not playing the guy. Well, I mean, well, you I mean you're t- 0 for
1: 2. You if, and, and you said uh, Arizona was going to be a playoff team this they year. They are. They still well, not are. There, yeah. They still are. I don't know. Look at uh, my Calgary Flames.
2: No, they, they still are. Arizona is uh, going to win the division. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> okay all right uh, yeah probably Schmalt not gonna go there and light it up i guess uh, of course well tonight the ducks uh, a very tired ducks team comes to florida to take on the panthers tonight gibby is in net still no Hampus Lindholm. um they seem to think that it was not going to be that big of a deal when he was gone but uh, apparently it's a bigger deal than we thought but uh the ducks are able to pull off the victory anyway same scratches as last night and clearly, uh, the coaching staff saw so, uh, saw no need to change anything going into tonight's game With as far as line combinations. You know, why fix what's not broken? Um, you know, you yeah. could just give up 40 shots on net, but I mean, what, what, what's that going to mean, right?
1: I would have liked to see Cash on the top line, but I don't think... I mean, they didn't play as bad as it looked, I think, shots on goal in the Tampa Bay Lightning game, but... Uh, I I don't know really what you could have changed. I, I kind of liked what we saw. Obviously, it worked out for Richie's line. Top line still kind of looked garbage in this game, but uh, I think that's the only change I would have made is maybe put Kasha back on that top line because they couldn't really get anything going. Uh, I don't know why they were ever split apart, but uh, yeah, I mean I was I was okay with it. I mean nobody came back in. Carter Rowney was a he came out on the fourth line. You're not going to move him up after scoring a goal. There really wasn't
2: no too much you could do. No, and I guess it is what it is. You're on the, you're on the second out of backs-to-backs, uh, backs backs, right? I can't talk. Back-to-backs. Um, so you expect a little fatigue, and that was clearly seen in the second period. My God, that was one of the most boring periods of hockey uh, that I've watched in a long time from the Ducks. But uh, let's get into this, man. First period started off great for Anaheim. 16, was it was at 16 seconds in, I believe. That's what it was. It uh was one of the fastest goals is it the fastest goal in ducks history no it was the second fastest so
1: manson scored 15 seconds into the game the fastest was paul korea with eight seconds uh i think i wrote it in the doc eric Stevens sweetie said what year but it
2: was paul korea who had the fastest at eight yeah there you go there you go i see it now i was looking through that i was like wait oh, there it is so off the faceoff win i mean it was benefited much by uh, a panthers defenseman that helped deflect it in the net but hey man a goal is a goal Uh, Goal scorer Josh Manson, uh, welcome to the lineup here. Back-to-back games, back-to-back goals. Um, It's nice to see somebody other than uh, the Ducks relying on Getzloff to generate offense. Yeah,
1: I'm not even going to try and say the Panthers defenseman's name that it hits off of. He's a guy who played in the KHL for nine years, so that tells you enough right there that I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. But it's uh, it's a great effort for Manson just to, I mean, it's the cliche, but get pucks on net. Uh, And he takes a shot, not a hard one. But just, I think he's probably trying for a rebound here because there's no way, unless it's a seeing eye shot, there's not really any screen. That's not going into the back of the net. Uh, But, hey, I mean, again, another cliche, but when you put pucks on net, uh, sometimes you get a bounce and and sometimes it bounces in. And, you know, Reimer hasn't been hot as of late. So that strategy just to keep throwing pucks on net is is a pretty good one when you've got a shaky goaltender. And that look what happened last night with Louis domingue that the Ducks just started trying to throw everything on net and uh, they put a couple bad ones past him.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, Reimer's actually not a bad goaltender, right? So you kind of – the Ducks really benefited from that deflection out in front, I feel like, because that was a shot that he probably should have saved if it was directly on net. Um, quick start for the Ducks, and uh, got to give a shout-out to uh, to Florida here, man, packing the arena tonight. I think there was oh, yeah. more people at Jason's Beer League game uh, <laughs> uh, this, uh, this evening than there were in Florida to watch the Panthers play. My God, what an embarrassment it was uh for florida that's got to be a brutal thing to, i mean there's more people at the ducks training camp than uh than watching that game of florida tonight
1: it's not like they're not a fun team to watch either i think uh aylers and hayward said that they are second in shots per game in the league so they're they're a team that generates a lot of offense uh their record isn't that great they've had a lot of issues in goaltending Luongo has been hurt uh, on and off this year. James Reimer is pretty inconsistent. And then Michael Hutchinson is their third string guy. And he's not really that reliable uh, as an NHL backup, let alone a starter. Uh, but I mean, you've got Barkov, you've got Hoffman who had, I think an 18 game point streak to start the season. You've got Huberto. I mean, obviously Trocek went down, but you've got guys like Ekblad as well. You've got a lot of guys that you would normally want to go watch a team that plays a, an interesting, fun, up style and nobody wants to go see them play. It's not like they're bottom of, of the, the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're, again, they're not doing great. But I mean, they're, they're extremely, extremely is, close to the bottom of the Eastern Conference.
2: I think yeah, they're second to last.
1: But come on. I mean, you got to come out and, and support the team. I mean, mm. I, I, I mean, it, it just kind of proves, again, that maybe this is not the best market for hockey. Unless this team is just rolling like a Buffalo Savers type like 10-game win streak, I don't think anybody's going. That team's another level.
2: That Buffalo team is uh, is unreal. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Rasmus um, Dallin finally woke up, and Jeff Skinner's just an animal. Unbelievable. He has 19 goals. He had the overtime yeah. winner last night against the Sharks. Um, but back to this game and, and the Florida Panthers. Um, Mike Hoffman, you shouldn't be allowed to wear a number that Yarmir Yager wore in that arena prior to you being there. I was really offended to see he was wearing number 68 tonight. I don't oh, know if that offended on. you. No, that, that, bugs, well, me. that bugs me. That's his no, number. No, right? you don't get to wear uh, one of the legend's numbers in a, in a place where he played. You just don't get to. Okay. I, yeah, you don't I get mean, to I, wear 68 in Florida. Well, it's not like
1: he was an all-star in Florida. He just kind of played there. Uh, he's a I legend. Mean, you don't wear 68. I'll put you in the conversation. Is, is um, Then what numbers do you not wear? You obviously don't
2: wear 99. You don't wear 66. You don't wear 68. Ever, and then anyway. eventually you're not going to be able to wear 87 or 97. What about, I mean, Gordie Howe, everybody wears 9. Well, you can't. I mean, dude, that's, that guy's way too old. Like, no one knows about Gordie Howe wearing 9 nowadays. You and I do, but, like, no one else knows that.
1: I guess, yeah, but... I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to get to a point where it's still probably going to be 99 and 66. Maybe it depends where Crosby and, and McDavid finish all time. Oh, come if on. You really think anyone's going to wear
2: 87 when he's retired? Uh, in like five? Somebody else when, he, when he's, he's retired like 5-10 years sure. after he's done? I think there's another guy in the league wearing 87 right now. I don't know, man. You shouldn't it's be allowed room. to wear sixty-eight. Yeah, Jags is like tops of uh, like almost every scoring category in league history. You shouldn't be able to wear be allowed to wear his like hundred too. Yeah, I know. So that even proves he's, no, he's no, played no, in so no. many decades. You shouldn't be allowed to wear his number anymore. That's just that's my thing. If you're gonna where he played? No, where he played. You shouldn't be allowed to wear that number where he played. This is me, okay? I'm just being an idiot. And these are I'm my good. rules. These are my rules. Uh, I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> <laughs> this is another another bonus show for Patreon. We can get into that. Uh, moving on here, we're only in the first period, by the way. So uh, thanks, Yager, for all that great talk. Uh, the Ducks didn't play all that bad of an opening period. They got the early advantage and shots on goal. Uh, they were able to pressure Florida. I felt like they came out with probably their best period of this game in the first period, and that uh, and they were still outshot fifteen to eight. So it wasn't like they were lights out. But uh, to get, I mean i don't know man it's tough to really get on this team uh considering they played the best team in the league last night and then going into tonight knowing they win looking at the first period i i would i would take that first period every single night if i knew they're coming out the victory because i mean they gave it their best and we're just outplayed by a team that uh, had fresher legs yeah uh it wasn't a horrible first period
1: i mean they come no. out of a a won nothing Uh, not severely outshot 15 to eight isn't great but they've had worse first periods before and and the chances were relatively even i think at the end of the first scoring chances were five to three uh and high danger chances i think were one and one so it, it wasn't uh like they were severely getting outplayed i think florida was just getting a lot of perimeter shots so the ducks were just kind of sitting back i think they were trying to conserve their energy a bit
2: hey man shout out to uh to Shane Austin, who just subscribed on YouTube. What's up, man? Thanks for joining the show. I always like to give shout-outs to people that, that join us here live on YouTube here. Um, let's get on. Unless you have more to say about the first period, because honestly, it was pretty bland on, on the Ducks' end, except for the first goal of the game. Um, I mean, Getzloff had that really awkward play, where I yeah. think he was, who was trailing. Because he sent it through people to somebody who was not even in the screen until the last second. I'm not sure who was trailing, but nobody
1: was really close to him um i don't know if he was just trying to throw it because he cut he cut his angle a little bit severe so i don't know if he was just trying to throw it off somebody and in i wouldn't put it past him to try and make that type of play true very uh, true he definitely he still had enough i think he still had enough space to kind of cut to the back end and get a shot on that i would have rather see him do that but it's such a it's such a typical gets play to try and make the pass uh, even if it was uh trying to bank it off somebody and in. uh I, I didn't expect it in that situation, but you're just kind of used to it with him now,
2: right? And it doesn't really matter; It didn't really affect anything at this point. But it's just a, kind of a funny thing. I know you threw it up on Twitter. I saw that. It made me chuckle a little bit. But uh, the Ducks get out of the first period with a one nothing lead. Like you said, fifteen shots to eight uh, in favor of Florida. But it was something I got to say about the Panthers. There is they didn't have any high danger chances uh, for them. In that first period, so say what you will about shots, it's shot quality that matters over quantity most nights, right? Um, yeah. Generally speaking, you want to have the majority of the chances on on net, so shots do count. But we look at high danger and scoring chances. I mean, the Ducks really relegated really them to almost nothing of danger variety. Um, a few scoring chances for sure, but nothing in that in that zone that was actually scary for the Ducks defense to worry about. But then we get to the second period. And all that praise goes out the window because, yep. holy hell, I-, I couldn't believe that uh, the Ducks held on to this in, in the second period, that they're even able to score a goal and-, and come out of the second period tied. They were outshot 7-1 to one early. Florida came out of the gates to, uh, in the second period like, hey, hell no. We we know you put on the second half of back-to-backs. There's no way we're letting you take it. Uh, and what a save on Bukestad by John Gibson. Oh, man. Well, that's not a
1: guy you normally let walk in all no. alone. He's not really a fast guy. He's a big guy. He can bully his way in, but he kind of just coasted through. Nobody put lay the body on him. Not really anybody putting a stick in this in the lane. And he just kind of sauntered his way through. And I, I don't know if anybody expected him to do that. I, I mean, again, he's not a guy you really expect to make a play like that. Uh, but he just coasted him from the blue line, cuts around about three or four Ducks players, and it gets a really good shot off. I mean, Gibson gets just a tiny piece of it to send it wide to the post. Uh, if that one goes in, that's one of the ones you look at that we've talked about in the past. The Ducks just really having no urgency in their own own end, especially when they're trying to mark guys or for guys coming in one-on-one. Brayden Point, the other day, uh, where he just broke through two players because nobody wanted to lay the body on him, and he got a breakaway against Ryan Miller, who had to make a good save. I mean, we see at least one every, if not every game, every other game.
2: It's that, uh, that center lane drive, right, through the neutral yeah. zone. The center comes flying through the neutral zone, and they're able to get hit with a tape-to-tape pass at full speed. I don't know why the Ducks don't adopt that. I mean, I feel like a guy like Andre Kasha could really benefit from a play like that. I mean, I don't think I've seen it in Anaheim too often to recognize it as a set play they like to try to do. But wouldn't that benefit faster, guys? I think if Raquel could pull that off.
1: Well, we've seen Raquel pull it off. And we've seen, I mean, I think Andre Kasha's first game back this year, he pulled something similar like that off. Uh, one of his first rushes to start his year he took it from his own blue line, broke through everybody, and got a half breakaway. Um, and that's what this, his speed brings to the game. We haven't really seen him do that since he got taken off Getzlaff's line. Not to say he's disappeared, uh, but we haven't noticed him as much because he's been put on a line that necessarily hasn't uh, done as well other than Nick Ritchie. I, I want to give maybe some credit to, to Adam Henrik, but somehow on that Henrik-Katch-Ritchie C- line, Katch kind of disappeared a bit which I don't understand the decision to move him down and move Silverberg up. But it seems like both players have kind of progressed a bit when they've moved. I mean, Silverberg hasn't been good at all, but more so Cash has just regressed after coming off that first line. Now that they've won back-to-back games, we can easily see Randy Carlo just not change things up. I would love to see uh, Cash it back on that top line because I think that would even make things better. I think that top line had uh, some good chemistry
2: going, and then, of course, he splits it up. Yeah, of course he does, right? Of course he's going to split it yeah. up. That's just what uh, – I almost said Boudreau. <laughs> Carlisle. That's,
1: well, basically, he's Boudreau 2.0 <laughs> this year with the, the line juggling.
2: Yeah, no. So the Ducks trade off power play chances here. And then uh, nothing much going either way other than the Panthers have an obscene shot advantage of 27-13 to 13 at the midway point. Just a garbage period by Anaheim. Um, and it would actually just translate uh, – before we get to that, sorry – I have to talk about the Barkoff and Ekblad pass. I skipped right over that goal there. I almost like went right by this. But there's nothing Gibby's going to do about this. That's the no. problem. We got off on a tangent here. But that's the problem is the Ducks are lax in their own zone, not able to get the puck out. Florida's able to spend whatever time they want in there. And then Barkoff sets up Ekblad for the one-timer. And I don't know what you're going to say about John Gibson here, man, but there's just no way he had a chance at that whatsoever.
1: This is – what is the play – to Braden Point yesterday mm-hmm. in front of the net. Yeah, what uh, is he going to do? To Braden Point. Uh, Jacob Larson the other day not paying attention to Braden Point. It's an easy setup. In this instance, uh, I think it's Andy Walensky just kind of it, – it's kind of a mix of a bunch of guys. Walensky is in a tough spot there where he's not in a good position anyway because Barkov is somehow alone behind the net and Ekblad is alone on that far side. Uh, Generally, one of them should be at least covered or the pass should be covered. And the Ducks had three guys on the other side of the ice. I'm not sure if Ekblad came off the bench, but he seems to streak in from the blue line out of Mm -hmm. nowhere. And uh, it's a free goal at that point. I mean, not much Gibby can do. He can try and get in front of it, but he's within two feet of the net for uh, for a one-timer. You can't allow those plays to happen. It's back-to-back games now where it's a free setup from behind the net for a one-timer. In, in a prime scoring position that that's going to go in, you know, nine times out of 10 from that spot, especially when you're, you're giving those chances to Braden Point and, and Aaron Eckblatt. I mean, those are two guys that generally will put the puck in the back
2: in that from that spot. Oh, no, they're amazing, too. Uh, those players are definitely amazing. Like you said, you can't lose sight of the stars on teams like that. In our chat, Gordon Bombay chimes in and says, uh, did you guys hear that Kovalchuk is a fourth liner? Oh yes, yeah. I'm very well the aware. Willie Desjardins factor, uh, Mr. Bombay. I don't know if you're on Twitter, but uh, Eddie decided to roast me on our uh, forever mighty, uh, forever mighty Twitter feed because I picked Kovalchuk to be a 30 plus goal scorer, and now he's not even playing really hardly at all. He's been like eight minutes a night, uh, thanks to Willie Desjardins, prick. Just totally ruining my. Like my, he was uh, doing prediction. anything before that anyway. Oh, he was. He was ramping up. Um, he and I had a lot oh, of talks yeah. about uh, yeah. stick we handling met him and. In Starbucks. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Nah, always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Baybolts chimes in and says, "Should the top line be Auberg, Getzlaff, and Kasha?" Uh no. You kind of have I... to keep uh, Raquel, but I mean Raquel's not performing. So I mean,
1: maybe. But but when he, they were all three of them were together for about three straight games, Raquel and Kasha were the Ducks' best forwards, and then Ryan Getzlaff was right behind that. Right. And and they weren't that great. I think for the game against Nashville. Then they split them up, and and that's always That's a panic move from Randy Carlyle, where they were everybody was terrible in that game. Pretty much everybody, if were, barring maybe a couple guys in that five-two loss, and uh, he just wants to change things up. And how he looks like a genius because it it some it worked out, like. But it really it's not because he changed the lines. It's not like those lines performed better uh, when the three of those two guys, or the three of those guys were together. That was probably the best line. Production-wise, that the Ducks had all year, the way they were generating chances, uh, just the way they looked, the the energy that Andre Kasha brought to r- Ricard Raquel and Ryan Getzlaff. I'm not saying that Auberg it wouldn't be a good line with Auberg there, but I think r- with Ricard Raquel right now, you kind of just gotta ride him on that
2: top line and hope things start going better for him. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't mind they change it up for a shift or two, but uh, I mean, whatever, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah, got yeah. I, I just got chirped by Bombay in chat. Laugh my ass off 30-plus. He's he's only like 25 away. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. Moving on here, the Ducks just continue to not play a very good – quit laughing, Eddie. It's not that funny. <laughs> well, Rick, Nick Ritchie almost has as many goals as them now. So. <laughs> the Ducks continue their dismal play in the second period, as that has just been a notorious theme for them time and time again. And then it would result in a goal here. Huberto with a point shot is just perfectly redirected uh, right past John Gibson at the side of the net. Again, another goal that he really just can't do anything about, if you ask me, man, I mean, you you can't only ask your goalie to save so many. And, uh, I mean, I think Gibson still played a great game, but he he let this one buy him tonight.
1: Yeah, th- this is one that you look at, and, and we're replaying it right now again on YouTube, where... Um, there's not much you can really do on this one. I, I think Kessler makes the right play to kind of pinch and try and close down the shooting angle for Huberto. It's a great slap pass by him because it is directed at uh, Dadanov, But it, it's just a great effort from Dadanov to get the stick on it and to deflect it uh, over or under, sorry, uh, John Gibson's glove into the back of the net. Uh, not much you can really blame anybody for there. It is on the power play, so perhaps the Ducks are going to be a man down. Somebody's going to be open. just so happens that it's Dadanov and he gets a great deflection off.
2: And Dadanov puts his 10th in for the season, so it's not like he's just all of a sudden getting his first goal of the year. He's had a decent season so far, and he's a very talented guy. Uh, but the Ducks would come back, um, and this is much needed Uh, It was very interesting to see who scored this one because who would expect anybody other than Nick Ritchie? I know I would expect anybody other than Nick Ritchie to get a goal here, but he makes a great play on a redirect of his own. I mean, the broadcast said that puck was going six to seven feet wide, possibly. But uh, either way, hell of hand-eye coordination there by Nick Ritchie to bury that off the point shot by Patterson. Uh, Just a beautiful redirection there by, uh, by Ritchie yeah I think this is a better redirection than
1: Dadanov's goal because uh, Richie's not even really facing the puck he's kind of turned the the wrong way and he just I don't want to say he waves his stick at it but he, he kind of spins around and gets a piece out of it he knows what he's doing on that play uh, and it's just a great deflection because it is going significantly wide I think it even tips down off the ice and off the post and through Reimer's legs uh, but just uh, Nick Richie's just continuing to roll man we talked about him on the last podcast the fact that Uh, He was just tearing it up in his first 11 games. Uh, With that goal, he had seven points in his last seven games. He's probably, right now, the Ducks' hottest forward, which is something we wouldn't have expected to say, I think, at any point.
2: please, please, please continue. Please continue. We need it.
1: Or just, hopefully, somebody else that kind of joins in with that, uh, or like Ricard Raquel or Ryan Getzlaff, or somebody who can do it on a consistent basis.
2: I mean, Getz has been there, but, I mean, Raquel hasn't been there so much and i got another yeah. player i got to gripe about when we get to the end of this here um not too much pressure from either team after the goals relatively even the rest of the way through the second uh shots were 15 to 7 in that period Um and the ducks just didn't have a great second period let's just be honest There's shots 31 to yeah. 16 at the end of two uh, tie game two two though ducks like you mentioned look tired this game it was really 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 showing in that second period and honestly going into the third period I, I had mentioned to you on Twitter, I'm like, I don't think we needed anybody to notate the third period, because it was no. just brutal to watch. <laughs> there was not much going on, but you know, yeah, they they definitely looked
1: tired, but that that's kind of a circumstance of playing a really quick team in Tampa Bay the night before, and then coming in and playing an up-tempo uh, style against Florida. Uh, they're a really quick team. They like to cycle the puck. Uh, they generate a lot of shot attempts on net, and that drains a lot of guys. You look at the power play they had the first one of the game. They are yeah. out there for the entire two minutes. Oh, it was brutal. Uh, yeah, I mean, that wears on you. The Ducks at the end of the second, they look gassed. Uh, I was surprised they hung on because Florida came out, and they had a day off. They should have been rested, uh, but they kind of just sat back too. It was like both teams were just feeling each other out, tied at two. But if you're Florida, you know – You should have at least recognized that the Ducks were tired, tried to come out quick and get a goal, and they just had no urgency whatsoever.
2: Well, they were waiting for Yarmir Yager uh, to take a step up there in the third period and tie the game. Um, You know, Hoffman pretending he's Yarmir Yager all night. Uh, This third period, man, it it looked like sloppy hockey. There was a good save uh, by John Gibson early, though, on uh, CV, where he walked out from behind the net, and I think he had more time. That he thought he did. He walked all the way out and tried to go five hole on Gibby, but honestly, he had way more time and uh, kind of thankfully uh, for the Ducks yeah. was able to uh, you know shoot that puck off his stick a little early. Gibby makes a save. Ducks go to the power play. You're like, oh, cool. They're going to get a. Po- oh, yeah, they had a power play. They didn't really mean anything um, in the third period. The, the Cats easily killed that one off. Gibbons had a decent chance trying to go five hole on Reimer, but Reimer made the save. A lot of perimeter shots uh, and chances here. But then we got to get to a shift by Ryan Getzloff and Nick Ritchie because that was beautiful. That was one of the prettiest passing plays from yep. Nick Ritchie that I've ever seen. I mean, usually this guy gets in a chance to score and he fumbles the puck or shoots it right away. But huge forecheck there by uh, by Ryan Getzloff in on Yaramir Yager. He's able to power him off the puck. Gives the puck over to Nick Ritchie. Ritchie. Passes it back down through traffic to Getzloff, and then Getzloff with his little patented, we've seen him so many times, passes it like almost in his feet all the way back up. Yeah, he like toe-drags it and feathers oh, it right just back Just beautiful, there, dude. It feathers yeah. a perfect term for that pass, right on the tape to Nick Ritchie, who's able to bury it by Reimer, and the Ducks take the lead at 3-2, to I think with just over a minute left in the game.
1: It's a couple big goals recently for Nick Richards. The game-winning goal in this one, he scored the game-tying goal against Edmonton with about I think 14 seconds left in that game. Uh, he's just been all over the score sheet lately, like we said. That's now eight points in his last seven games. I believe that's nine in his first 12 on the season. Uh, I, I I would talk to argue right now that he's not the Ducks' most productive forward at this point. Uh, just seems to be involved in pretty much everything when he's on the ice. Uh, we talked about at the season preview how maybe, you know, he looked like he'd lost a lot of weight. He looked like he was in, in a lot better shape. Was that going to translate to better play on the ice? I, I have to say lately it looks like it has. He just looks more engaged. He he just His fitness level just looks like he's able to keep up in plays more often. He's he's kind of using his body smartly. He's not taking dumb penalties a lot as, as much as he used to. Uh, he's just improved – not maybe significantly in one area where you could point it out, but just in, in pretty much every little area, he's kind of just improved a little bit, and it's shown. He's, I mean, the the way he's been producing lately, and probably, I mean, he's, I think, it would be easily first star. Maybe you could debate him or John Gibson in this game.
2: Oh, it was Richie. Without without Richie's performance in this game, the Ducks obviously don't. You got to score goals. I got, I get you have to you have to stop the puck too. But I mean, it was a normal night. For john gibson and besides that second was <laughs> pretty bad yeah it was a normal night 22 saves it's a normal night for john it's a gibson. normal night for gibby he didn't have to make some ridiculous insane highlight reel three times a night kind of kind of night for him um the beautiful thing about uh about that arena though i got i gotta say man is that uh every little noise just echoes it's so weird there's such a great echo in that arena it's almost like no one watches hockey there um you know it's crazy there was a puck that went into the stands and it actually landed
1: at somebody he caught it i had to think like yeah like what are the chances (laughs) when that arena especially the lower bowl is so empty that it there is probably a better chance that it would land in
2: an empty seat than go directly to that guy i i've been at ducks games when they were a horrid in the late 90s and i feel the pain of there being nine to ten thousand people but like you said, there's so many good players in Florida. It's absurd that they don't have people there just to watch hockey. Um, yeah, I mean, I, hopefully it gets better for them. I really hope it gets better for think them it there too. I know, but I, I hope just, it does. I don't like failing franchises in the NHL. Honestly. No, no,
1: I would. I don't really, and I don't think we see it for a while. Uh, but there's some teams out there who really want teams. <clears> Obviously, <throat> I think we see Seattle before anything.
2: Oh yeah, um, of course.
1: Houston really wants a team. Uh, that's the, the really the front runner. That's kind of. Uh, Put their name in the bin for a lot of these teams that are struggling. Ottawa, Houston's been sniffing around there. Calgary because they can't get an arena deal. I don't think either
2: of those two teams. Moved, Calgary's not any going anywhere, but but Ottawa, my Ottawa's broke. UG Milner's broke. But anytime,
1: broke. anytime you hear the issues going on there, Houston just kind of comes up in in mentioning now. It used to be Quebec City, but that's kind of gone out the window. Now it's Houston and and Arizona. Even they're doing a little bit better lately, but Florida, I'm sure that's eventually going to start coming up. Where Houston. Is going to start looking there and saying if things don't turn around in Florida that uh, you know they might move uh, they might move over to Houston. Imagine that rivalry between Dallas,
2: that'd be Houston. really interesting.
1: Houston versus Dallas, that would be. I don't know how it would work there. It, it is a sports city with the Rockets and the, I believe the Texans, but I don't know how hockey would work there.
2: But it works in Dallas, so. Uh, dude, Dallas has been amazing for hockey, right? I mean, going all the way back to the Madonna years, um, but the Ducks are able to get out of this one with a three-two victory. I mean, uh, Reimer was pulled, and honestly, it didn't look like it. The Ducks had no trouble de- deflating any sort of Florida attack. Uh, in fact, Montour almost scores on an empty net twice in the third period here. But uh, the Cats are um, just didn't look good, man. I think maybe they kind of gave up at the end of this. It didn't look like they were they were pushing hard, or the Ducks just did a great job. I'm maybe mean, not giving the Ducks enough credit, but they come out with the win here. Three to two is the final score. Nick Ritchie, man. I mean, let's get right into the post game. Let's talk about that guy. He has just been amazing since he's come back from injury and it's been a surprise to I think almost everybody.
1: Yeah, it it's unbelievable how well he's done, uh, especially as of late. Like I said, over the last seven games is really where he's picked it up. Uh the eight points over the last seven games had uh four, I think, in his first or no, it would have been had two in his first uh His first few before that. So he's really picked things up as of late. It's it's been a great start for him. I'm really surprised.
2: Yeah, he's got nine points in 12 games. He's absolutely killing it. Um, Hopefully it's not just, I mean, yeah, players go through dry spells, but hopefully it's not just some weird streak he's on. Uh, Like last season, where he had that bubble of like 15 games where he played really well. Uh, Hopefully this is something we can see more consistently from him. Um, I just was very impressed with him. So I wonder if his minutes minutes get upped. I know last game he played about thirteen. Prior to that, fourteen. Prior to that, I remember it was like a really low, it was like ten against Edmonton. So hopefully, is able to utilize him more, and he's able to get more time with quality players, and uh, able to put some uh, some goals in the board for the Ducks. They really sorely need that extra extra punch on the goals on the goal scoring side because guys like Ryan Kessler have one goal in twenty games. Ryan Kessler has not scored since November 6th against the Kings it's been a tough go for him it's been a horrible season for Ryan Kessler um it's very unfortunate he played just under 20 minutes tonight so he's his his uh his ice time is kind of been up and down so far this season he's been like mid-teens and uh I, th- I don't I think he maybe had one or two games over 20 minutes I looked at his ice time earlier today. Today, he gets Mm -hmm. about 20 minutes. I mean, it's sad. He didn't have any shots on goal. I I, I don't see him being dangerous anymore, Eddie. I I don't know if this is something that uh, maybe it's a a phase that he's going through this season with his injury. But uh, hopefully, he's able to catch back up, man, because it's sad. And uh, I really think that uh, the Ducks need to find a way to get secondary scoring.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's been... uh... It's been a little bit ridiculous with what uh, Ryan Kessler, kind of the slump he's been going through right now. Uh, I don't know really what it is. He, his line doesn't generate a lot of offense. He's kind of been put with uh, Cogliano and Sherwood, uh, which really hasn't worked out for him. But that that's a defense-first line. Sherwood, like we said before, is kind of the the new Cogliano. Um, so, and again, we saw him whiff on a chance today, too, off a, a great pass from Dodgen. So it's not like uh, that line is set up to really get a lot of offensive chances um, so it's been a struggle for him and I think he's still hurting a bit from the injury uh, so I'm, I'm not expecting it unfortunately to get any better for him soon but when you got guys like Nick Ritchie stepping up and hopefully Getzlaff and Kasha and Raquel can really start getting going you don't necessarily need that line to, to get going. maybe chip in every now and then of course more than Ryan Kessler is at this moment uh, but I'm not too worried about it right now because I kind of expected this from him I think a lot of us did
2: Well, I mean, so Gordon Bombay asked in the chat, he says, when was Kessler's last point? It was November 6th. It was that goal against the Kings in L.A. And prior to that, he had a two-goal night against the Islanders October 17th. So he has one point since October 17th. That doesn't bode well for a guy making as much money uh, as he is right now. And I know that we like to harp on the fact of, uh, hey, you know, it's hard to judge a guy based on the amount of money he makes – because, you know, we do the same thing with Corey Perry. There's the expectation with salary. And then you yeah. look at the production of numbers and people get frustrated by it. But um, he's got to find a way to produce. This is this is really unacceptable. He's on pace for like 15 points this season.
1: Yeah, it, it's a tough go. And, I mean, we kind of expected this, right? It was going to be a downturn year. Uh, but it, it's, it's something that the ducks need to get going they need that secondary scoring especially right now when a lot of your top guys aren't going i mean they're last time i checked and i'm sure it's still like this with the i mean they've scored three goals back to back so maybe it's jumped up a bit but they were 30th in goals per game i'm sure that hasn't changed too much if anything maybe they've jumped up to 29th or 28th possibly which still isn't good and a lot of that is because you have guys like that who are on pace for for 15 points, or Ricard Raquel who's on pace for under 20 goals, and you know nobody is really. I think only a handful of guys right now are on pace for over 20. Uh, that's a tough year. That's a tough down year for pretty much everybody. And we mentioned this on the last show how a lot of that has to do with the system and how it's not really set up to generate offense, and that hurts a lot of guys. Uh, but it just seems like pretty much everybody except Nick Ritchie lately is just slumping, and uh, you know maybe it, it. eventually we get lucky and everybody just kind of turns it on and figures it out at the right time and everybody starts scoring, but I think that's a lot to ask at this point because there are some guys that are getting older, like Ryan Kessler, Andrew Cogliano as well, guys who aren't known to be goal scorers and are going to slowly start chipping in less and less,
2: and we've seen that. Well, I mean, speaking of guys like Andrew Cogliano, he's in the same boat. Um, he only has one goal in 27 games along with four assists of five points. It's been a tough go for that line. I mean, they, they just have not been good at all. Uh, I'm not sure what the issue is, but uh, you talk about guys who are on pace for over 20. You're looking at, uh, I mean, shoot, it's it's far and few between. In between, I mean, Getzloff has missed six games and he has six goals in 21 games, so he's going to be close to that 20 goal mark. Not a lot of guys are that close to yeah. 20 goal 20 goal season. Man, this is a very very low scoring team. And I wonder if something's going to be done about it. I mean, if you keep winning, what's frustrating? I'm going to go back on the, on the damn Carlisle wagon, son of a bitch. I tried not to talk about Randy Carlisle tonight because the Ducks have been winning. But you're going to go back to this. And you're going to keep going back to this. Do you remember what Randy Carlisle, holy hell, it was like the other day? We have to start winning two to one games. Yeah. No. Well, he said one to nothing in two to one games. You need to start scoring. And yeah. then he said he's asking the defense to carry him because the offense isn't. How you was you that... can't
1: win. You can't win two-one, one-nothing games when you're giving up 40-plus shots a night. It, exactly, it's not you can't unless you get the goaltending like tonight.
2: You can't ask for 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 both. You either yeah. ask for one or the other. <laughs> yeah, and the NHL is a three-two
1: league now, pretty much generally. That's like the average score is what we see is a three-two. You don't really see one-nothings to ones anymore, mm-hmm. which kind of shows you. His uh, thought process where he still thinks that can happen, it doesn't happen often where you can say that on a regular basis we're going to win games 1-0, 2-1. It's, it's just not realistic to think that you're going to do that. The way you win games now is 3-2, 4-3 if you're thinking of one-goal games. And if you're scoring just over two goals per game, you're going to have a hard time winning 3-2 and 4-3 games if you can't score that many goals on a regular basis. So, I mean... The main issue for the Ducks right now is they can't score a lot of goals. They have a lot of guys slumping, and nothing is going right for them. If they're going to do anything, it's go out and get somebody who can score some goals or is going to inject some
2: offense into this team. Just wait. We're going to get to February so fast, and then we're going to be getting asked a bunch of questions on who the Ducks are going to trade to get somebody at the deadline. You know that's coming.
0: Oh, yeah. And it happens they every year. Right. Yeah. but this And time nothing happens.
2: <laughs> Yeah, but if this continues, this type of play continues from our team, it has to happen. I mean, maybe Adam Henrique should shoot the puck more. He's shooting at 17% right now. That's pretty high. Um, yeah. Maybe give him the puck a little more off to let him shoot the puck. He's he's uh, he's not been a bad player. He's got 14 points in 27 games. It's, it's pretty much what you ask for a center like that, a third-line center. Yeah. Um, I mean, but honestly, he should be more or less the second-line center at this point with the way Kessler's been playing. I think he's kind of been utilized that way a bit. Right.
1: Maybe you, you might see Kessler's numbers inflated a bit because uh, they're getting the hard matchups against some of the uh, the opponent's best players. But I think Adam Henrik right now, especially when you look at his line mates, is getting utilized as a, as a second line forward or a second
2: offensive punch. Let's ask everybody in both chats, and I'll ask you at the same time, so we involve everybody here live on the show. Um, how many games over, uh, let's say over or under, actually over under 10 games. Does Ryan Kessler score a goal? 10 more games. 10 games. Yeah. Over, or under? Be... you're going to go over or under, <sighs>
1: man, that's tough.
2: He's got uh... one goal in 20.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like eventually he's just going to get one. Uh, Damn's gonna break a bit i think he's due for it right now i would say under but i i'm like close to it like,
2: like isn't that sad you're like out. on the edge of saying over yeah. under he has one goal yeah. in 30 games
1: <laughs> I, I just don't think he'll get to that one in 30 <laughs> mark i think that's a little bit ridiculous but um he I hasn't mean, had really chances at, he hasn't been dangerous yeah i don't think he's getting utilized on the power play um he used pretty to sure he's not uh, he used to, but now I don't think he, he, he's not even getting really put on the penalty kill that often because they're trying to limit his minutes to keep him healthy. Uh, he's not really being put in the best situations. Then you think of the fact that he's out there on the ice, and uh, his number one job is to play defense against the opposing team's top line. He's not really right. generating a lot of shot attempts anyway. So it would be some kind of chance that you would expect where he's either stuck on the ice with uh, a top line, like Ryan Getzlaf or Ricard Viquel get out there and, and they get some zone time, or... Uh, they get a counter-attack chance and he puts one in the back of the net. Right now, I don't really see any other opportunity for him to put the puck in the back of the net. I don't see them getting, uh, especially looking at the, how the line's constituted right now, and and Kessler and Sherwood, that they're going to get any zone time against some of these lines they've been going up against.
2: I would have to say it's going to be over 10 games because he, he, before he scores again. Uh, it's terrible to say. I love Ryan Kessler. I mean, I know that I kind of I trashed his contract a bit for, by Bob Murray, but I understand as a player, you have to get as much money as you possibly can because these kinds yeah. of injuries unfortunately happen. I mean, Kessler almost had to call it a career. It, it was said by Elliot Friedman that there was a possibility no one if he's going to play at all. So I get it. I'm all for it, man to get as much money out of sports as you possibly can as an athlete. But on the other on the other side of it, you, you got as a GM, you have to really look at what you're what you're paying for, what you're going to be getting. And Kessler won that battle, and his agent won that battle for the contract for sure. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, you need to be productive in today's NHL, and that line is just falling short um, significantly, honestly. I shouldn't even say just falling short. Um, yeah. m- moving along here, do you want to get into uh, some questions for tonight?
1: Yeah, let's, let's move into some. I'll start on Reddit, because we had some on uh Oh, it's been a while since we had, some, since we had some Reddit know, people. Back-to-back back back wins
2: brings people out of the woodwork.
1: So, first question is from V Carter seven hundred nine on Reddit. Uh, I said, "Do you think our waiver pickups will have long-term success for the Ducks, or are they just temporary solutions?"
2: Oh boy! Oh uh, man, who is he referencing at this point? Then uh, Montesabre, um, Auberg, uh, Yeah, that's 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 the only one I, I caught. That came to mind.
1: Jake Dodson, if he wants oh. to say, can include that. He's not. I don't. I guess. No, he's not a waiver pickup. They just signed him, but he had to go through waivers when the Ducks wanted to sign him, but it wasn't a waiver pickup. But I guess you can include that just to flesh out the question a bit. Do you think Auberg and Dodgson
2: stick around? Oh, Auberg does. Or temporary? What confused me is when he said waiver uh, pickups. I was trying to think of the other ones that they picked up off waivers, but I mean, I guess, yeah, you're right. There's more than one, but Auberg is the one that I, I see staying as a player on this team. He, he produces enough offensively on a team that needs the offense yeah. Um, I don't. I don't really feel like. I mean, maybe Dotchin, but he's. Do you, he's, think, do but you he's, think
1: though, if Auberg has over ten goals, close to twenty, if not over twenty points at the deadline, do they consider moving him and getting assets in return? Just like they're probably going to move Silverberg because they can't resign him. Are they not going to resign him? I don't think they're going to resign They They really can't make it work. He's going to want four or five, probably. Maybe even five
2: and a half. We'll see where Uh, he's at come deadline time with the points he's at. He's at 11 points in 22 games. We'll see. I I Um, can see them getting offers for Auberg and whether they want to move
1: him or not i that all remains to be seen but if he continues to produce i think they're definitely going to get some people who are interested
2: i mean at any given point the ducks move you know just about anybody because they don't they don't they don't adhere to anything we talk about i mean hell we thought that Derek grant was coming back this year and yeah. they got rid of him right away right they didn't want to keep him um looking at this though i don't think Auberg's is going to go anywhere i don't feel like he's going to i don't think cory perry is going to outproduce Auberg. I know that really? I, I don't think so. I I don't think I don't think Corey Perry is going to come back and I, do much.
1: I think on a consistent basis, Corey Perry will put up more points
2: than to Saberg. We thought the same from Ryan Kessler.
1: If like yeah, Kessler going mean, to come
2: back and score 40 points this season. I, I don't know if he I might he was get
1: twenty forty 40 if he was healthy, I think we thought he would score 40. He's obviously not healthy and 100% back to what he was used to. Um, I think Perry comes back unless, again, it, it comes down to his, if he's healthy, if he's a step down because of that knee surgery. If he comes back and is playing exactly like last year, he'll outproduce Aberg. Mm. A- Aberg's, Aberg's a little bit too inconsistent for me, where he'll get on a hot streak, he'll play well, like we've seen, and then he'll disappear for a bit. And uh, he'll get shoved down the lineup and then maybe brought back up when other guys are struggling and do well for a bit. But uh, he's got that game-breaking skill on occasion, but the consistency isn't there. Are you and, wearing
2: and think, a Perry Canadian jersey? Is that why? I'm not, but I do have a Corey Perry jersey in <laughs> my closet. So, I, I,
1: but no, I actually, I honestly think he'll will produce uh, he produce uh, Pontus Abberg for the rest of the season if the Ducks keep Abberg.
2: We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll be wrong for this, the third time that you can quote me on it.
1: This next question, though, uh, references Corey Perry in regards to Ricard Raquel. It's from Herb You Stinks on Reddit. <laughs> he said, Do you think that Raquel's success seems to be more attributed to Perry than Getzlaff? It seemed he had more goals with Perry in the lineup than Getz, with Getz alone.
2: Um, I guess you could attribute it to a uh, to matchup, right? you got to respect yeah. Corey Perry's shot yeah. and, and what he can produce. So I, maybe that is something to do with it. That's a good point. I, I never thought of it that way. I always thought that it was relying on Ryan Getzlaff. And uh, clearly, uh, there's something else going on because Getzlaff continues to produce, but uh, Ricard Raquel doesn't. So. Maybe teams are able to stack up way easier. I mean, they should be able yeah. to against Ricard Raquel.
1: Yeah, I, I think that I didn't think of it like that. But now that you, he kind of brings it up, that that could be the case. Because when you've got even Kasha with Getzlaff and Raquel, Cash is still kind of relatively an unknown. Nobody knows if he's going to be able to repeat the 20-goal success he had last year. Ricard Raquel is still the go-to guy to shoot the puck and put the puck in the back and that on that line. Everybody knows that now. And even when you don't have Kasha on that line, that's the guy that other uh, the opposing teams are going to mark. Uh, and they're going to make sure that when he gets the puck, uh, they're going to pressure him, and, and they're, they're going to make it hard for him to get an open space and get a good shot. When Corey Perry's on the ice, Corey Perry's going to make it difficult for opposing players to do that. And they're also going to have to watch him because if you leave Corey Perry open, no matter how slow he is or, or whatever now, he's still got that shot. And he can still beat you if you leave him open. I think... never thought of it like that but it does kind of give Raquel a little bit more space to work in and that's all he needs is that little bit extra space to be open for him uh and it'll be more effective I'll be interested to see if they go back to those three when Perry comes back and if that changes things uh but it's definitely a unique way of looking at it because we've always kind of attributed Brian Getzlaff to Ricard Raquel's success but we never really thought it'd be Corey Perry especially with how
2: Perry struggled over the last few years no I think it's a great point
1: all right, well, let's, uh, let's move the questions over to Twitter. Uh, Tom asked us a question earlier today. Uh, you'll, I think you'll like this one. He said, uh, identify what Carlisle is doing right. Oh, we boy. readily identify the failings, but are there some positives with this team?
2: Um,
1: hell, man. It's a tough one because there doesn't look like it power play is bad penalty kill is bad those aren't all on randy Carlisle, nobody's scoring and you're
2: letting in 40 shots a game
1: yeah the tell me tell me the good thing defensive structure isn't really there uh john gibson is is saving this team uh man i i'm trying hard because i don't i don't want to I, I still don't think it's only his fault there's obviously a lot of things that go into it i, I, I mean yeah but it was, what do you think? If, if he's not there, this gets dramatically better? I don't think so. It gets better, but I don't think all of a sudden they become a contender. So it's not obviously just him. Uh, but I struggle to find something significant that he's doing right.
2: Maybe he just thinks that he's maybe not doing bad
1: is, is something. But well, I mean, it, but again. what? He,
2: he's blending the lines. He hasn't put his defensive pairs back together that worked last season. The penalty kill has actually been okay lately. Right? Hasn't been horrible.
1: Yeah. Ranked still, though, it's still ranked 19th.
2: The power play is atrocious, Yeah, but they can't even score 5-on-5. Five five. They can't score off the rush. That's another problem I have with this team. Uh, if not for goaltending, they are where the LA Kings are. So I don't think there's anything good about what Randy Carlisle has put together. And maybe this has, has a lot to do with what's going on with Bob Murray, how this team is structured. You could go down the line. But uh, the the simplest thing to look at, in my eyes, and many other people's, is to swap out the person who's leading the team, and that's Randy Carlisle. I I feel like another coach in here, change of face, change of tone in the locker room, change of culture, change in leadership, and then a change in system. All that combined is going to probably bring short-term success to this team, as long as you don't bring in a guy like Willie Desjardins, like the Kings did.
1: I I really wanted to find something good that he did just so i could you know just point out at least something that's going right but it's it's so difficult because there really isn't anything going well and the ducks are just winning on on just the talent they have in this roster where you can get guys like nick ritchie to step up and do well and you have game-breaking players like ricard raquel and ryan gets and then you just have two great goaltenders uh, in john gibson and ryan miller that's why the Ducks are where they are right now if you don't have John Gibson and it's I mean you can say that for anything if you don't have this guy then they're not going to be doing well but uh, John Gibson has been the main reason the Ducks are where they are this year uh, because nothing's going right so, like, usually with the Ducks there's always something going wrong uh, not, not since they were first in penalty, the power play and penalty kill has nothing gone wrong? Or has nothing gone wrong for this team? That was a year where they would just seem to be good at pretty much everything. They were decent in goal scoring, one of the best teams in goals against average. Special teams, they were best in both categories. Uh, for the last few years, up until this year, they were like really good at the penalty kill for a while, uh, but they couldn't score on the power play and they couldn't score in general. And now this year, it's just everything is bad,
2: pretty much, or everything's either bad or mediocre. I mean, I I, don't, I, I can't find anything. I really, honestly try. I tried to find something with this team that I could, I could, I could point out as being a positive. Other than they're winning, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so Jacob had a question uh, on Twitter. He said, is, "Is the power forward alive and well? Love seeing Rowney, Getzlaff, and Richie manhandling defensemen and creating chances." Um, I, I would. I think if you, it depends on what you classify as a power forward. If you're just thinking a big guy is a power forward, then sure. I don't know if I would classify Ryan Getzlaff technically as a power forward anymore. He doesn't really always lay the body. He also doesn't really play super physical anymore. He just is a shifty player for a big guy. He's much more, obviously, a playmaker than anything. Uh, Carter Rowney, he's more of a grinder, where, again, he a power forward in my, my eyes is a guy who can put the puck in the back of the net, is just a menacing forward up front. Plays physical. I mean, Jamie Ben or Alexander Ovechkin. You know those types of guys. Um, Nick Ritchie. I guess you can put him in that category a bit. He is. I think He, is, he a, is. He's a power forward. But to me, if you're looking at the modern day power forward, it's like Brady Kachuk. Uh, mm. th- that's the that's the 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 modern day power forward. The younger guys coming in, they're quick, uh, they're mean, but they are very very skilled, and you don't really see that that often. Jamie Ben was a little bit ahead of his time in that sense where he is pretty quick for his size, uh, and he's just a just a menacing guy to play against, and he's nasty. I mean, he, he'll drop the gloves with pretty much anybody, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he'll he'll hold his own, or, or win, generally. So, I don't know if the Ducks really have anybody like I mean, that
2: Getzloff in the, his day team. was. Getzloff yeah, for, for sure, sure he was. Younger, was. Right? He would drop the gloves, no problem doing yeah, that. For sure. He was nasty. That
1: was, the, that was a power forward back then, right? Uh, I mean, back then, really... you're
2: talking like three years ago, when Getzloff would still drop the gloves and do that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think it's changed even in the last couple of years of what a power forward really really means in the game.
2: I mean, that hurts my feelings because I loved – everyone's going to not like this opinion. But one of my favorite players to watch ever is Brendan Shanahan. And then after that is a guy like Milan Lucic when he played for Boston. Post-Boston, not a fan. In Boston, that guy was a monster. Nobody wanted to mess with that guy. He yeah. could put in 30 goals a season. He would beat the living breaks off of you. He would. That guy was a scary guy at night in and night out. I loved guys like that. Um, yeah. But you're right. They, oh, they've, kind, they've, kind of that, yeah. they've kind of gone away. They've kind of gone away for he's sure. He's too
1: slow now. He's, he's too slow. Uh, his hockey IQ is not at the level that it needs to be to be a productive player. I mean, he just you're playing with McDavid and you would say, oh, he's going to do great. But he can't keep up. He can't keep up mentally with McDavid. He can't keep up physically with McDavid. To really be in the right positions to put the puck in the back of the net, whereas before uh, the set play for him was crash the net, go to the front of the net, it's gonna hit you or you're gonna get a, a backdoor pass, and that's what's gonna happen. But you can't do that now. Guys are too smart; it's not gonna happen. Uh, and that's why you get guys like I said, in Brady Kachuk and Jamie Ben, and, and I, I would say Matthew Kachuk, but I don't think I think he's not as much power it as his brother is. But mm-hmm. those are the types of guys you get now. Where they're physical, they're mean. They're quick, they're smart, and they, they're they just so skilled. And you don't you don't see that when you look farther back at a guy like Milan Lucic.
2: No, I would agree. And I feel like the best guy in the game for that is Alexander Ovech. I think he's the best power forward Yeah, in the NHL. He doesn't yeah. even fight. But that guy is a monster. He will run you yeah. over to score goals. So he doesn't shy away from the physicality. But I guess if you were to say like the all-in and you know what, though? It's got to be Jamie Benn because he drops the gloves. It's part of being part of. It's part of being a power forward. You try to drop the gloves. He's the best yeah, of the power forwards. I, I think OV is is a power forward. He is. in a sense, but he, a he's pure, for sure he
1: in a pure power forward. And in, in in what I and this is all opinion based, but in what I believe embodies a power forward, I think Jamie Ben is is literally like when I think power forward, it's Jamie Ben. Um, Oh, I think Ovi is right along there with him but I think when you think of everything involved in it, just everything that, that Ben does, uh, Power Ford is a multi-tool player for me. They just literally they do everything. Uh, Ovi's pretty close to that but again, I mean, counting fighting in there I feel like it seems petty. But I, I like to throw that in there just to kind of tip the edge there, and I and I think Jamie Ben, you, you can't break just, his
2: yeah. his ten million dollar hands. Uh, Ovi's hands are yeah. far too valuable. Yeah. I mean, ten million dollar yeah. hands. Uh, you, you can't you can't let him drop the gloves like that, for sure.
1: But uh, so let's move on to our next question uh, from Paula, who's leading Forever Mighty Three Stars right now. Uh, she asked, "Who was the best player tonight, and who was terrible?"
2: The best player tonight easily was Nick Ritchie. Yeah. um he's the one with, with uh two goals on the night right so it, it's kind of hard to to bet against him the worst player on the night tonight oh man i'm gonna have to think about that because i i want to say it was ryan kessler that's what i'm gonna say uh, i mean he wasn't noticeable whatsoever on the ice uh, I didn't i didn't recognize him being on the ice at any given point in the game, let me let me bring up his stats. Let's bring up his. I stats. I think I here.
1: noticed pretty. I can, if I'm thinking off the top of my head, I can remember a play by pretty much everybody but Kessler. And I can remember obviously Getzlaff getting involved. Obviously the, the guys who were involved in the goals, but I remember even Dodgin with the pass over to keep for sure. what well, that's at least a chance. I don't really, and I I could be forgetting something. But I just don't remember Kessler really being involved in anything all night.
2: Um so if I if I had to say who's terrible, I, I guess I would say him. I mean he was out chanced eleven to four when he's on the ice and he's he's uh the one that's charged of stopping the chances against. So yeah, I, I wanna say that Ryan Kessler was the worst part on the ice tonight for the ducks, which is pretty tough when you have company like uh Jacob Larson and uh Brian Gibbons and uh I mean I mean shoot, most nights Marcus Peterson isn't all that great either but uh he's been
1: good lately though lately yeah he has uh four four assist streak right now four game assist streak so he's been he's been pretty good for playing impressed with him
2: uh, for playing about 20 minutes ryan kessler did not look good tonight whatsoever i would say he's the worst player on the ice no and i know it's always going to be tough for him because he's going to
1: get those difficult matchups but at some point you gotta you gotta kind of stop using that as an excuse and and he's got to at least do something noticeable in the game and, and he couldn't manage to do that tonight and it was one of the easier matchups he's had in a while not to say that the the huberto barkov line is, is an easy barkov's one your boy against. why would you say that about your best friend i just think when you look at who he faced the other night and and uh well i think it was getzlaff who was up against point but he still faced steven stamkos which i think is a tougher matchup and, and even in the games before and, and who he faced there i think this is one of the easier ones he might have had in a few games and he still struggled and didn't really do anything noticeable.
2: Uh Bay bolts in speaker chat says he's referring back to our grinder power forward line. He says, What about players like Reeves, Cassian, etc.? Uh aren't they grinders? Yeah, they're grinders. That's exactly what uh what we're talking about there. Um not yeah. necessarily if Reeves could bury the puck, keep he, he's he would be like the best power forward in the game. That guy is scary. He I mean he can score, but he's not a, a twenty goal scorer. I think if you're If you're a guy that's built like that and you put up 40, 50 points, then you're the power forward. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, even thinking a guy on top of my head who maybe is a borderline power forward is Max Pacioretty, too. Uh, You could maybe include him in there. But I I think, again, I I still lean to Jimmy Bent. Uh, Let's end it off with this. Maybe not, it's not so much a question, but uh, kind of a theory proposed by Connor in our YouTube chat. He said he thinks a buyout will happen for Ryan Kessler in the summer. Uh, do you think they should go that route? I mean, if he finishes with like five goals on the season, 15 points, what what do they do at that point? Mm. Obviously, things aren't going to get better. You know what I mean?
2: Let's look at what that would, would look like, thanks to our friends at camp, uh, Cap Friendly, Ryan Kessler. Let's bring this up I just, I, I,
1: you know it's gonna be a decent amount of cap, I think we looked at this before uh it it's probably something like
2: four million over the next few years. I would think let's buy out the current contract, so if they bought him out, the annual cost savings is four point four five yep, yep, but then they're paying him two point two five uh for three years past his contract end date so I mean, you save a little up front. I feel, I feel
1: like we talked about this. We a couple did. Of shows I think ago. we did. Yeah.
2: Definitely we did because I
1: remember the those couple numbers coming up to two over the next few years and how that might bite into money uh, when this team is starting to kind of get on a, a new run with a lot of the younger players when Getzlaff and Perry's contracts are up. Uh, you you kind of got to make that decision. Uh, and you gotta you got to assess on, on where you think your team's going to be, right, and what you're going to do with it. if You have to make an assumption of what you're going to do with Getzlaff and Perry at that point too, right? Uh, it's a tough decision to say, you know, are we going to let these two guys go, arguably two of our best players in franchise history, right? Uh, how do you make that decision? Do you let one go? Do you do you keep both of them, assign them maybe to team-friendly deals? I mean, Getzlaff is still going to want a significant amount of money if he's still putting up 50 60 points a season, right? he deserves it. Um, He deserves it for sure, but it depends on the term. And, you know, if he wants another three at six, is that the right, the right deal for the Ducks at that time? Uh, A lot of things go into that decision. But if if Kessler comes out of this year, like I said, with a hypothetical stat line of like five goals and 15 points, uh, that's prime for a buyout. That is right in that disappointing level where you say, things aren't probably going to get better from here. Do we just cut our losses, get a little bit of cap space, and, and just kind of, you know, move on without him at that point? And he might just—I mean—he could
2: even be in the spot where he might retire if he has a bad year like that too. You never know. He's not going to retire. He would forfeit the money. He's not retiring. He would just be on long-term IR, and the Ducks would be stuck with that payday, right? That, that's what's going to be. He, no player. He retires doesn't seem anymore. like a, he doesn't seem like a
1: guy who would, if he could play, uh, would go on the LTR and not play.
2: Uh, he would be a guy
1: that, no matter what, he would still want to play. I don't know. He'd
2: be stupid not to. I don't care what kind of morals he has. I mean, you're giving no, up that amount play, of money. Oh, for you, sure. He's yeah. that guy. He's that guy who wants yeah. to play. Um, I got a little fun fact for you. For those who aren't on our Patreon, um, we had a, a show last night with the, uh, the top ten uh, worst trades in duck, Ducks history, which uh, yours truly put together for the boys to talk about. We had some disagreements, which were very funny. Uh, one in particular that lasted like a, an 18-minute discussion because people think I'm crazy, but I don't want to give away anything there. If you haven't heard it, go check it out or sign up for Patreon. I, I, I'm only bringing this up, and it's not to pump pumper Patreon, honestly. It's because I want to bring up something funny. So the Ducks win the Stanley Cup in 2007, and we'll leave you guys with this tonight. Um, they go to the draft. They have I – mean, I mean, Sean McIndoe put this up on The Athletic today. And it was like. To oh, be, I, I
1: saw. It. I know where you're going with this. It made
2: me laugh so hard. It was like the Ducks picked Logan McMillan at 19, uh, Eric Tengradi at 42, and Matthias Modig at 121st. The players they could have picked had their scouts not been drunk from winning the Stanley Cup were guys by the name at 23, uh, mind you, three picks after uh, Logan McMillan, Max Patch ready. Uh, pk suban was picked one pick after eric tangrati and jamie ben was picked eight picks after matias modig whoa what the hell goes on in drafts is unreal it's unreal point of that article i
1: think they did that with every team too they did i feel like it's going to I mean, in that draft alone, you could probably take any team that drafted around Anaheim that had a bus pick and be like, Brute. they could have got Jamie Ben. Right? That was brutal. But, that was very uh, brutal. One of the ones you always see, especially lately, is the fact that I forget what draft it was, maybe 2012, the Barzell draft, Ugh. where where Boston could have gotten uh, Barzell, Besser, and Thomas Shabbat uh, with their with their three <laughs> picks in a row, but they drafted uh, uh, Louis or not Louis DeBrusque, Jake DeBrusque, uh Jacob Zaboral and Zachary Senshin instead oops, with the oops. three straight picks. Jake DeBrusque is, is a pretty good pick, but I imagine being able to get three picks in a row and getting Barzell, Besser, and Thomas Chabot, uh, oh. and throw them throw them in there with Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, Charlie McElroy, Toi Krug. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's uh, a
2: legit the, powerhouse of a team in Boston. It'd be tough
1: to keep all those guys around, but uh, I mean, I think Besser and Barzell are still on entry levels, so. Uh, if you had that, uh, <laughs> that would just be an, an unbelievable team this year. But you can do that for every team.
2: Oh, of course. I, I just love talking about those kinds of drafts because you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's a bag of nothing until you figure out what they're going to become. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad you got to admit that. And that's what I brought up last night. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here. Uh, shout out to Cool Hockey. You can go to Cool Hockey right now and uh, buy a jersey for 20% off. Use the promo code FM20. That's uh, Forever Mighty 20, FM 20, to get your 20% off there. It's almost Christmas time. Why not go buy yourself one and buy someone in your family one? Uh, The new Ducks Thirds are looking pretty sick right now. I want one of those. I didn't want it in the beginning, but now after seeing it all set up, with uh, the beautiful uniform where they have it all put together. I'm like, you know what? I really like that jersey now. All the uh, things I hated about it, I don't care anymore about. I want to get a Lindholm jersey. So that's what I want for Christmas. If anyone's listening and wants to send me a jersey, uh, hi, Eddie. I know that uh, you got my name out of the hat, so you're buying me a jersey for Christmas. Um, So thanks to Cool Hockey for sponsoring the show and doing the Forever Mighty Three Stars. And Paula, you have a great chance. You have a really good chance of winning this uh so keep it up anybody has a chance you should you should participate in this because it's a free jersey that we give away every single month all you have to do is go on twitter and uh put in your picks for the three questions that eddie puts up every single game night and shoot you could have a jersey at the end of the month
1: yeah and if you don't want to be on uh twitter all the time waiting for when we're going to post it we we post it every every night before the game 45 minutes before puck drop yep so just check the check the time for the game. If you don't want to stay on Twitter and wait for it, if even if you don't want to, uh, ping our notifications because we do tweet a lot during the games. Just check in 45 minutes before puck drop; it'll be up there. Make your predictions, and then you don't even have to be on Twitter for the rest of the game. It, it's worth an entry. It's it's a it's a fun contest we like to to like to run. Um, a little late if you're trying to get in for November now. Right. There's only uh, there's only what one game remaining Friday the night. season now. So. Uh, Tough one to get in there, but if uh, December, make sure you go in on December. If you haven't done it yet, like Patrick said, check out our Twitter 45 minutes before puck drop. Get your predictions in. Uh, if you do it on a regular basis, you've got a really good chance of winning a free jersey from Cool Hockey.
2: I mean, and look, I went on their site right now, CoolHockey.com. They have a 10% off site-wide. We save you more than that just by putting in our code. Go there, use our code, forever uh, FM20, forever mighty 20 and get yourself 20% off. So appreciate the cool hockey.com. Um, also, shout out to everyone who contributes to our uh, our YouTube and anyone who comes in on, on a speaker. I really, really am so sorry for the speaker audio yesterday. <laughs> I figured out what it was. My computer does this weird thing where it likes to turn off my mic if I unplug it and plug it back in which I don't like having it plugged in all the time, yada, yada, yada. It was uh, fixed today, so you had to hear my voice tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Gordon Bombay and Bay Bulls, thanks for joining the chat. If you haven't already, help us out on YouTube, people. I see new, to- new YouTube uh, subscribers every game, which is great. But if you haven't already, go there, subscribe to us. It's real easy. Click the bell so we notify you when we go live. And uh, everyone on Patreon, you got your top 10 episode probably being posted tomorrow or tonight. Um, you're going to have a recording of show for our Q&A tomorrow. You're going to get that bonus show. And then uh, for every one of the $10 tearing up, you're going to get the Pucks and Brews. I have a lot of things I get to rant about on that one. I'm, I'm pretty fired up for Saturday morning. Yes, it's December. We're a day late, but November was crazy. Everybody, we love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you guys Friday.